men. So have you guys ever ever done this? Have you guys ever attempted to hit a hit something and you come you either one you completely miss or you hit something else instead? Let me tell you a story. So when I was in middle school, I got in an argument with this kid and for the life of me, I have no recollection of what we are arguing about. I just knew that I wanted to retaliate. So, you know, I came to the logical conclusion that I was gonna grab some of my friends and that weekend we were gonna egg his house because that just makes a lot of sense in the, the mind of a, of a middle schooler. So that's what we did. I, I had a couple friends stay the night at my, my house and we snuck out with a carton of eggs. And what's, I was reflecting on this. I don't know how my mom never noticed that we were always missing eggs because we would always use them to egg people's houses. But, uh, but we left the house like around like 1 a.m. We snuck out with a carton of eggs. And uh, herein lies the problem. We rode the same bus. However, he got off on a different bus stop. So low key, really high key, I had no idea where he lived. I kind of knew like the area of where he lived, but I didn't know which house was his. So we went down the street and we just looked at the, the houses and we we're like, you know what? That's the one, that's the house where this kid lives. And uh, we, we egged this house, like 12 eggs. We just completely obliterated this house. Then we ran like people were chasing us. And for the first time in my life, I was excited to go to school because I wanted to hear the progress report of the fact that we egged his house. So fast forward to Monday, we come to find out that we did in fact hit his neighbor's house. So we completely miss the target. And guys, in a similar way, I believe we miss the target when it comes to friendship. If you're a note taker, this message is called You Got a Friend in Me. And I know it's hard to refrain from seeing it like Toy Story, but it's just a thing. But, uh, but as we completely miss the target when it comes to friendships, right? Friendship just in general in our culture is something that's completely overlooked. And we live in a world where culture says that romance is essential, but friendship is optional. And here's the problem with that. The Bible actually communicates the opposite. And I know hearing that statement of romance being optional while friendship is essential, sometimes we hear something like that, we have an inward tension towards a statement like that. And I get it. Romance, not everyone is called to romance. Not everyone is called to a romantic relationship. However, everyone is called to friendship. That's why friendship is essential while romance is optional. But here's what happens when we believe culture. Have you ever had a friend who got in a relationship and you just stop seeing them. You just, they just disappear, right? All of a sudden you're hanging out with this person on a pretty regular basis. And all of a sudden you start seeing them less. You also start seeing them less at church. And ultimately you just stop seeing them until they resurface when they break up. They're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> right? like, where have you been? 
I know I've done that myself and I've seen it firsthand. Here's why what, what's happening. We sacrifice friendship on the altar of romance. Another thing that we do that coincides with us completely missing the target when it comes to friendship is we sacrifice friendship on the altar of success, right? When we treat friendship as something that is optional, we do that because we think that it might get in the way of other things. So we pursue school, we pursue promotions at work at the expense of friendships. And we wonder why we are discouraged and lonely. While these things that are mentioned are very important, like a romantic relationship is beautiful, it's something that's incredible. Getting an education is awesome. Doing well in your career is great. These are some things that we should pursue. They are important things. But so are friendships. Friendships are essential. And here's another reason why I believe that they are. Jesus valued friendship. Didn't Jesus refer to himself as a friend to sinners? Didn't he and John 15, 15 tell his disciples that you are no longer my servants, but you are my friends? Jesus valued friendships. Shouldn't we? Jesus believed friendships were essential. We should be a people who believe that as well. But it's hard to value something like friendship when it hasn't been completely defined. Right? It's hard to hit a target that hasn't been completely defined. Right? Like I, we egged the wrong house because the right house wasn't clearly defined for us. And we missed the target when it comes to friendship often because we don't have a definition of it. So I'm not, I'm gonna give you guys a definition and this isn't the magnum opus of definitions, but I think this is a good starting point and this should be a target that we should attempt to hit. A friend is a fellow redeemed sinner who points you to a perfect savior. A friend is a fellow redeemed sinner who points you to a perfect savior. And relationships thrive when you honor the definition of said relationships. But how are we doing that? Are we honoring the definition of friendship? Are we pointing our friends to Jesus? To value something as essential, it helps to also have an example to follow. And I couldn't think of a better example than a friendship that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that passage. Once again, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Let me go ahead and read the text. Verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own. Verse 2, And Saul took him 
that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Verse 3, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So this is in my notes, but I always deviate from them anyways. But I wanted to say this, as I was wrestling with this passage, I really had to repent. Because this idea of friendship that, that this text communicates is very challenging. It's, it's very foreign. And I've become very cynical when it comes to friendships. And I've had to, I had to repent of that while reading this text. Because this is a, a challenging vision of friendship. And if you're in this room and you've given up on, on a friendship that's, that's a lot like the one we're about, we just read about, don't give up. Don't give up. So point number one, guys, a friend is someone who befriends the unlikely. So let's think about uh, David and Jonathan's friendship because it was a very unlikely one. And here's why. Jonathan's dad is Saul, who is the current king of Israel, which means Jonathan is next in line to be the king, right? So like Saul is Mufasa, <laughs> Jonathan is Simba, but God had rejected Saul as the king and anointed David as the next king of Israel. Do you guys see the tension there? That makes Jonathan the heir to the throne and David the threat to the throne. Not only that, Jonathan was a prince. And David was a lowly shepherd. Their friendship was very unlikely, yet they became a model of friendship. And here's the impact of their friendship. So I've been watching or re-watching this documentary on Netflix called The Last Dance. And it's incredible, highly recommend it. I've, I've watched it twice now. And there's an episode where they interview Kobe Bryant and, and he's talking about Michael Jordan and he says this, he says that, a lot of people will compare me to Michael Jordan or they'll compare Michael Jordan to me. And they always argue, who's better? Who would win one-on-one? -on -one? And Kobe Bryant says something that's so profound. He says, listen, you could argue all you want, but without Michael Jordan, there's no Kobe Bryant. And the same thing about David. There's no David, the man who, who was found to be a man after God's own heart without the influence of Jonathan. Jonathan had a huge impact on David. And this impact happened because he didn't overlook David. He befriended the unlikely. And my question to you, and, my, and the question to myself that I have to ask, are you befriending the unlikely? If you're anything like me, which I hope you're not, we are often drawn to people 
who are a lot like ourselves. We just are, right? We, we, we are just drawn to people who have similar interests to us, have similar personalities. That's kind of how we're wired. And sometimes we overlook people because of that. And sometimes we overlook people because of personality. So let me speak to the extroverts in the room. Hello, extroverts. Extroverts speaking. You need introverts in your life. You do. So stop scaring them away. <laughs> we need introverts. Now, let me talk to the introverts. Stop hiding from extroverts, because we gonna find you. <laughs> because you need them as well. You really do. There's something an extrovert can learn from an introvert. You can learn to listen to understand instead of listening to respond. Here's another thing an extrovert can learn from an introvert. You can learn to be more introspective. Now, let me talk to the introverts again. You're not off the hook. Introverts, you can learn to be better at engaging people. I know it's draining, but you need to turn the TV off. You need to put the book down and you need to go engage people. Why? Because those people that you're avoiding are created in the image of God. And you need people. And they need you. The person who can point you to Jesus might be someone you're overlooking. So let's be friend, be unlikely. Point number two, guys. A friend is someone who crowns others before they crown themselves. Verse one. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So in this text, Jonathan's soul was knit to David's, and he loved him as himself. You can see there in the text that something is happening in the heart of Jonathan. Eternally, he has recognized that David, not himself, the true heir to the throne. Inwardly, he has crowned David instead of crowning himself. This is why this is huge. Jonathan could have easily made this all about himself, but he didn't. He put his birthright down and he put David before himself. How many times have we made something about us that wasn't about us? How many times have we been upset about a wreck causing us to be late to our destination instead of wondering if the person who was in the wreck is okay? How many times have we been upset about a, a, an athlete being injured because it's gonna cost us to lose a fantasy football game? Instead of caring about the player, we care about our imaginary team. 
this. How many times have we left church upset because the worship team didn't sing our favorite worship song? Worship isn't about us. Sammy Rose says this, that we, we often have a superpower, and that superpower is to make things about us. We are crowning ourselves instead of crowning others. We make things about us. And listen, if you're doing that in the context of friendship, you're doing it wrong. What would your friendships look like if you spent more time crowning others instead of crowning yourself? When was the last time you put someone before yourself? So let's be a people who crown others instead of crowning someone else. Amen? Amen. Point number three. A friend makes covenants instead of being a consumer. Verse 2. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. So verse 2 is simply stating that David is no longer splitting his time between his dad's house, uh, Jesse, and a time with Saul. He has officially moved in to spend his time serving Saul in, in the army capacity full time. That's what verse 2 is alluding to. Now let's talk about verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan made a covenant with David. Covenant means a pledge. And we don't know the nature of this covenant, but we do know what a typical covenant would look like in this time. And it's pretty gruesome. You'd often, two people would grab an animal and they would cut this animal in half and they would walk in between the animal that's been cut and they would say, if I break this covenant that I just made with you, may what happened to this animal happen to me. Covenants were serious. They were like a friendship marriage. But we don't take friendships that seriously, don't we? We often treat friendships the way we treat iPhones. We like, this, we like our iPhone at first, and maybe we drop it. Maybe there's a crack. Maybe we see another phone that comes out that's better. Or maybe the new version of our phone comes out. And what do we do? We wanna upgrade. We wanna change. We often treat people in the context of friendships the same way. We use our friends until someone else who could, who could offer more to us comes along. And we drop friends once they have ceased to be useful to us. We do friendships like consumers. We can't do friendships Another way that we do a friendship like consumers is we find our identity in our friendships. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever become jealous when your best friend hung out with someone else? You become so possessive over another human being that you become jealous? Have you ever manipulated a friend into spending time with you instead of someone else? 
as I told consumers, Sammy Rhodes says this, within the context of friendship, we are often doing one of two things, either doing ministry or manipulation. Which one are we doing? A consumer manipulates people, the friend ministers. A good indicator of this would be how you answer this question. What do you do when your friend is going through a tough time? What do you do? Do you leave? Because you can't get anything else from this person. They have nothing to offer you, so you leave. That's what a consumer does. This is what a ministry does in that situation. I'm willing to have a bad day with you to help develop Christ in you. That's what a friend says. I'm willing to go through a bad day or a tough season with you to help develop Christ in you. Consumer leaves. A friend saves and ministers. One is a consumer, the other does covenants. Which one are you? Point number four. A friend lays down their armor. Verse four. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So what has Jonathan doing here he took off not only not only was it his robe but he took off his royal robe and his armor sword and his belt that's what Jonathan is doing here he gave David everything that was meant to protect him and in doing so he's making himself incredibly vulnerable I think often we confuse being transparent with being vulnerable. Let me tell you how they differ. Transparency says, hey guys, I've lost my job. Vulnerability says, hey guys, I've lost my job and I feel hopeless. Transparency is good for your image. Vulnerability is good for your soul. The posture of transparency looks like this. This is what, what transparency looks like. You know what the posture of vulnerability looks like? See the difference? Transparency, vulnerability. Transparency keeps you protected while vulnerability exposes you to being hurt. Jonathan put himself in a position where he could have been hurt by David. And this scares us. While Jonathan laid down his armor, we often armor up. Those walls that you built that you think are meant to protect you are often walls that entrap you. 
in order to avoid being vulnerable, we do these two things. We're often fake with our friends. Here's another thing that we do to circumvent vulnerability. We become flakes. We just stop showing up. It's hard to be vulnerable with your friends when you pretend you're okay all the time. Right, Chris, Chris Rock says this, when you meet someone, you don't meet them, you meet their representative. What does that mean? We're often fake with one another. Like we've been wearing a mask long before COVID. And also guys, it's hard to be vulnerable when, you're, when you flake out on seeing people all the time. I'm just telling you, it's gonna be hard for you to be vulnerable with people when you don't show up. Part of being a friend is showing up. And listen guys, when, when I say being vulnerable, I'm not saying overshare with everyone, right? Like don't be a Ted, right? You know, Ted like falls in love with every girl he sees. Right, and tells tells them everything. Don't don't be like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. Being vulnerable doesn't mean oversharing all the time. Be intentional with who you're vulnerable with. Use discernment, and also notice this is the tough side of friendship as well. Sometimes laying down your armor means having a tough conversation with someone that you need to stop being friends with. That's tough, right? I've, I've had some people in my life that the, the friendship ran its course and that's okay. Sometimes you're, you're called to be a friend with someone for a season and that's okay. But we have to lay our armor down. And here's, here's the thing about friendship also, guys. Oliver Wells says this. A friend is someone who stabs you in the front. A friend is someone who's willing to have difficult conversations with you. They don't stab you in the back, they stab you in the front. Because sometimes pointing each other towards Jesus requires having tough conversations that are uncomfortable. And if you tiptoe around those, are you really that person's friend? Lay your armor down, or being, being vulnerable is the on-ramp to intimate friendships. We should let some people in. Let's see. We should let some people into our lives. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because we serve a God who has led us all the way in. That's why. People cannot bear the weight of your identity but they can bear the weight of your story. The things we should talk about the most are often the things that we talk about the least. So my encouragement to you is to change that. Lay your armor down, be vulnerable with someone. Find a safe person that you can trust that I say things about you with. Trust someone with your story. And are you gonna get hurt? You are. You are. That's the tough part about friendship. Listen guys, I've, I get it. I've been burned 
a lot. I've shared my story and that story has been used against me. I've been crushed by other people. I've been crushed by friends. I've been flaked out on. I get it. Vulnerable is scary. It really is. But it's so worth it. So lay your armor down. Just like Jonathan laid his down for you. Amen? And lastly, guys, a friend is someone whose best friend is Jesus. So we will never be a good friend until Jesus becomes our best friend. And the only reason why we can become friends with Jesus is because of the gospel. Let me elaborate. So if you've been in the church for a while, I'm sure you've heard this, that Jesus is the true and better David. But what if I told you Jesus is also the true and better Jonathan? Jonathan befriended the unlikely, but Jesus died for the unlikely. He's holy while we're sinners. Jesus died for the unlikely. Guess who the unlikely was? That was us. Jonathan befriended the unlikely, but Jesus, the true and better Jonathan, died for the unlikely. Jonathan crowned David, but Jesus traded his crown for a crown of thorns so that you and I might be crowned sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus switched places with the unrighteous so that you and I might be called righteous. Jonathan crowned David. But Jesus gave up his crown so that you and I might be crowned. Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jesus is in a covenant with us. Jonathan's covenant ended once he died. But the covenant that we have with Jesus never ends. Jonathan laid his armor down, making himself incredibly vulnerable. You know who else did that? Jesus. Jesus made himself incredibly vulnerable when he went to the cross. Jesus was stripped so that you and I might be clothed in grace and righteousness. Remember the posture of vulnerability? What was Jesus' posture on the cross? Jesus made himself incredibly vulnerable when he died on the cross for us. It's because of the gospel that we can do these things. So my question that I hope you guys ponder is who is Jesus to you? Jesus a stranger? Is Jesus an acquaintance? 
that you see, that you interact with time to time, you open up your Bible here and there, you come to church here and there, you, you, you engage in biblical community here and there, is Jesus an acquaintance to you? The friendship with Jesus is the ultimate friendship, guys. So my encouragement to you is to say yes. Say yes to a friendship with Jesus. Listen, guys, Jesus isn't your homeboy. I'm not talking about that friendship, that lax style of friendship. Jesus is your savior, but he's also a friend to sinners. And I have bad news for you, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner, but I have good news. That Jesus died for sinners so that he could be a friend to us. Because we will never be a good friend until Jesus becomes our best friend. So befriend the unlikely. Crown others before you crown yourself. Don't do friendships like a consumer. Make covenants with people. And lay your armor down. Let's stop missing the target of friendship. Because friendship is essential. Amen? Let's pray.